You're listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast, where we discuss advanced strategies, tactics, and tips for actually selling your music. If you'd like to learn more music marketing strategies, then go to musicmarketingmanifesto.com. That's musicmarketingmanifesto.com, and sign up for your free copy of the Music Marketing Blueprint. All right, this is John Ojaka. And this is Steve Rogers. And today we're going to be talking to musician and entrepreneur Paul Loeb about how he uses StumbleUpon to drive as many as 40,000 visitors to his site each month. Uh, we're also going to be taking questions from our listeners, and if you have a question, please call 1-800-296-1406. That's 1-800-296-1406. And leave your message after the tone, and we will include it in an upcoming show. Uh, you know, before we get going, Steve, I think it's worth uh, mentioning that uh, it's Christmas time. Um, what yeah. you're, we're we're actually coming from opposite uh, sides of the world here. I'm in New Zealand, so I'm I'm a little closer to Christmas than you are. I'm a day ahead of you. Uh, I spend yep. sort of ha- half my time uh, in Los Angeles and half the time in New Zealand. Uh, and it is the uh, you know we're in the southern hemisphere, so it's green and uh, sunny. Well, sunny for the most part. It happens to be raining right now, but it is the opposite of what I sort of uh, you know come to come to expect from Christmas. But you're in Philly. What's going on? over there yeah it's been cold the last couple of days but you know what philly weather's funny we get all four seasons and sometimes sometimes we get the mix together so you know last week it was fairly warm this week it's cold uh looking forward to christmas man i'm excited yeah, I'm kind of a Christmas geek myself. I get all, all into it. And I even like the malls and the shopping and the stress and everything that goes with it. But I got to be honest, uh, where, you know, where we live, we're out way in the middle of nowhere. Uh, we're, we're, we're talking 45 minutes to a grocery store. So you're not seeing a lot of, wow. you're, you're not seeing a lot of, uh, Christmas light. How do you, how do I even say that? Christmas lit streets? I can't quite, streets, li- <laughs> streets lined with Christmas lights. There we go. Uh, you're not seeing a whole lot of uh, the Christmas spirit, just a lot of cows and and greenery. But but we got archery up, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it for sure. Awesome. And you know, uh, along those lines, I suppose it's worth mentioning that Christmas is uh, a pretty good time of the year for a promotion. Um, as the Music Marketing Manifesto and the Insider Circle members are, are pretty well aware, we use. Um, Holidays, uh, particularly things that that involve uh, giving, like Christmas and Thanksgiving, is pretty good excuse to offer our music uh, at a discount or some kind of advantageous terms for a limited period of time. Uh, one of the things that we focus on is really getting people off the fence and using proven sales tactics to cause all those subscribers to actually take action and buy music. I know that's a, a pretty common problem that probably a lot of uh, people listening have experienced, where they've got these mailing lists of hundreds, if not thousands of, of fans, but they simply don't buy. Uh, and these, these sales, these direct calls to action where we really hit this scarcity factor or the, the, the time constraints, I should say, really, really hard. They really, uh, as you know, they get people off the fence and, and, and they can be really powerful tools for selling. Uh, you got anything going on, uh, this time of year? You got anything planned for, for anything you're doing? I don't. I actually have something planned um, for after the new year, but I don't have anything planned here for Christmas just because I wasn't quite set to, to, to get it out. So. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, I hear you. I'm a bit in the same boat. I may throw something together. Haven't haven't quite decided, but uh, that's, I suppose, the downside of all that Christmas stress and, and all those things you got to do. It gets it becomes difficult to organize, but, but I might throw something together. Um, 
just just to clarify a little more i don't know i don't know if i painted the picture clearly but one of the things we do is essentially uh throw out what are called limited time offers and typically that'll involve a series of emails that essentially uh, you might bundle your album with another album, maybe knock the price down a little bit, um, maybe offer some free tracks that weren't previously available and you'll offer it to your subscriber list, your email list that is, for uh, just a very limited uh, amount of time, maybe 72 hours, that's usually what I, I do, but of course the sky's you know, that's, that's really up to you, the sky's the limit there, uh, and uh, while that may sound uh, amazingly simple, it really, really works. I've I've driven huge amounts of sales in very short uh, in a very short amount of time using this simple technique. So keep that mm-hmm. uh, you know keep that tip there in your hat and maybe give it a go. If you've got a subscriber list, try putting some kind of a limited time offer. Maybe end it at midnight, three days after Christmas or something like that, and see see what you can stir up because you, you probably see a dramatic spike in sales. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a way to knock people off the fence, like you said, and get them to take action, especially around the time of year where, I mean, I don't know if you're anything like this, but when it comes to this time of year, I'm not a good planner. I don't really plan ahead, and I just don't know what to get people. Right. So, you know, if you can, if people out there are in the same boat, if you can hit them with a nice limited time offer for, you know, a band that, that they already dig that they think somebody else will like, man, it's a good way to, to drive some sales. Very cool, very cool. Well, we should probably move on because we got a lot to cover. We've got the, an interview, as I mentioned, with Paul Loeb. Paul's an interesting guy. Uh, he uses StumbleUpon to drive tens of thousands of visitors to his site every month, and he only spends uh, literally a few minutes a week, he says, to do this. So uh, Paul reached out to me and, and told me what he was up to, and I asked him if he'd spend a few minutes with us talking about what he does, and we're going to listen to that interview. And after that, we're going to be taking questions from listeners, we had uh, we had folks send in some questions, and we got quite a few questions. In fact, I don't know that we're going to make it through all of them. If you don't hear your question addressed in this episode, stay tuned for the next one because we'll definitely tackle it there. Uh, again, that number, if, if you've got a question for a future show, is one eight hundred two nine six one four zero six. But without further ado, let's dive in and, and let's listen to that call with Paul Loeb. All right. All right, John Ojaka here, and today we're talking to uh, a fellow musician named Paul Loeb. Paul, uh, I think interestingly, uh, he, he's one of these musicians who's sort of very business-minded. Uh, he he went to USC for business and music industry, and uh, we've been talking, and he's been sharing a, a traffic strategy he's been using uh, with StumbleUpon. So I've asked him to join us here uh, on the call and basically share with you guys what he's doing. Paul, how are you doing today? I'm good, John. Thanks a lot for having me. Um, yeah, I wanted to talk about StumbleUpon as a traffic strategy that uh, very similar to you know some of the other strategies you guys have talked about on the show in the past, like YouTube uh, and you know Facebook and other social media. Uh, by submitting your sites and your existing content to StumbleUpon, uh, you can actually drive a lot of targeted traffic. Cool, cool. Um, well, and that is something that it's free, and I've been able to see uh, great results from. 
Awesome. Well, before we totally dive into that, why don't you give folks a little background on yourself? Because, again, I always think it's really interesting when when I'm talking to a musician who is sort of business-minded because, uh, as you probably know, we're the minority out there. Um, most most musicians sort of shun the business and the marketing. And uh, you have kind of an interesting story. You, you, you just, in fact, sold a company, and you're, you're only 24 years old, and you, you really got your hands in a lot of pies uh, regarding music and business by the sound of it. This is very true. Um, yeah, so I, uh, I mean, I've been a musician my whole life. I started playing piano at the age of five. Um, likewise, I've been an entrepreneur my entire life. And as you said, I just sold my first company. Uh, I'm really excited about that. Uh, it's a company that makes iPhone apps. Um, so I'm really happy to, you know, have some more time now to, to focus on my music. Um, and uh, at school, yes, at USC, I studied entrepreneurship and music industry specifically. Um, and, you know, being in the business of music is something I've always been interested in. And uh, in 2010, I was, you know, lucky enough to, to raise some money and start my first record label as well. Uh, so now I'm a DJ, music producer, entrepreneur, and record label owner. Very cool. What's the name of the label? Yeah, yeah. What's the name of the label? No Ego Records. No Ego Records. And can they find that at noegorecords.com? Course. Cool, cool. And anyone who's interested in uh, Paul's music, uh, you can you can check it out. You can download uh, a few tracks for free at paulloeb.net. That's Paul L O E B dot net. Um, so basically, why don't you give folks a rundown on on your approach? Now you've got your squeeze page up, like uh, like we've been talking about here at Music Marketing Manifesto, and you're driving traffic using a number of techniques. Is that right? Correct. Correct. Like uh, like you said, a number of techniques, and the one that you know I've seen a lot of great results from uh, is StumbleUpon. Cool. Cool. Why don't you explain to people what that is? Some I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with StumbleUpon. Perhaps some, some are not. So why don't we just start there? So a lot of people know StumbleUpon as just a website where they go when they're bored at work and they press a button and they get a random website that's like a you know a funny video or a cute picture of a cat or something and they press a button and they get another cool website and so forth. Um, but you know what they don't know is you can also submit sites to StumbleUpon and you can get all these millions of people uh, that are bored or you know looking for fresh content on the internet to, you know, stumble upon your content and, you know, drive traffic to your squeeze page, for an, for an example. Sure, um, sure. So, you know, I, I'm definitely a big fan of, of using it as a as both a consumer because it's fun and uh, as a traffic generating source. Sure, and just to, to give a little additional background, essentially the way it works is once you've built up a history uh, of you, you're given a choice of either clicking thumbs up or thumbs down. And correct me anywhere that I'm I'm wrong on this stuff because I don't use it nearly as much as you do. Um, but uh, you get the choice of clicking a little thumbs up or thumbs down button on a, a website or a bit of content. And then once you've built up a little history, uh, stumble upon serves up content based on your previous interest or likes or, di- or well not dislikes I suppose, but it filters out based on your dislikes. Uh, is that more or less the the size of it? That, that's it, and you can also stumble on particular topics. So, you know, if you want to listen to just house music for, you know, infinity, type in house music, and it'll show you all kinds of random people that have tagged their submissions or reviewed a site under house music. Gotcha. Um, similarly, if you want to watch just videos or see just photos or read just news articles, you can separate it on the website uh, and filter it to whatever you want just for that time. Gotcha. So, so walk us through the process of getting traffic how does this work do you go out and create content uh around certain keywords yeah, and then that, and then stumble it yourself how, this, how does this, this is the most important 
this is the most important part to any of your strategies. You have to have content, um, and you know you have to have fresh new content. So in my case, what I do is I upload new tracks and mashups and remixes to SoundCloud, to Facebook, to YouTube, and then I take those URLs and I submit them to StumbleUpon. Um, and as I do that, uh, I tag them with various keywords that are relevant. And you know I don't tag it with Paul Loeb because no one's going to be searching for that yet anyway. Uh, instead, I tag it with keywords like house, music, dead mouse, Swedish house mafia, Avicii, those types of keywords that people are already searching for and they might already have as their own interests. And so they're going to then stumble upon my music and my content that I've created and my squeeze page um, based on that uh, search and that stumble upon. Um, so that's that's kind of the, the gist of it. Now, um, you mentioned different types of content there, like you mentioned tracks, and then, of course, you have your squeeze page. Uh, is a squeeze page itself something that you're uh, uh, entering as content, or are we primarily talking about um, other types of content that then would have some call to action linking back to the squeeze page, or how, how does that work exactly? Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm saying that the... Uh, the content, each one uh, could be, you know, for example, my latest mashup. It's a mm. South Park versus Jersey Shore. It's pretty hilarious, if you ask me. Mm. But the first character of the description is download my new song for free. Mm. Click here, paulove.net. So it links you instantly to the squeeze page. Um, for, and that's the case on every single one of my YouTube videos, my Vimeo videos, my Facebook videos, my Twitter posts, you know, pretty much everywhere I can put it, uh, that URL the squeeze page, paulib.net. Sure. Uh, so it's the other content driving the squeeze page. Sure. Explain what that is, a, a content mashup. Oh, well, it's a, it's a mashup uh, that I did. I took the vocal samples from a South Park episode um, where they made fun of Jersey Shore, and I put them up against a track by Bass Jackers, which is Electro House. Um, you can find it on my YouTube channel. Gotcha. Um, but it, it's really it's really funny. Gotcha. So the track itself, I, I see what you're saying. I thought you were taking RSS feeds of some yes. sort and creating a mashup, but you're actually talking no. about a track, a track that you've created. And no, no, it's a uh, it's a video mashup. Gotcha, gotcha. Cool. Um, and so uh, again, let's let's just because I, I know you know it's it's hard to visualize a lot of the stuff when you're hearing it in audio, and a website is sort of typically a, a video or a visual platform for most people. Let's sort of use me as an example. I'm a singer-songwriter. Uh, I, I tend to think that uh, my fans might also like artists like Bob Dylan, Johnny Cash, more Americana or more roots-oriented stuff. Let's say I've gone and maybe shot a video of a live show or maybe even just written a, a article or a review of an album, I've created some content that is uh, geared around maybe a Johnny Cash cover or a album review or, or, or that I've submitted to Easy and Articles, something like that. Walk, walk us through the process of how I would then use that video or article to go and uh, submit it to StumbleUpon and, and, and get traffic as a result. Sure. Um, the process is pretty easy. First thing you do is you go to StumbleUpon.com and you create an account if you don't already have one. If you do, you just log in. Uh, creating an account is easy and it's free. Um, then the button you want to click on is add a site. And I know StumbleUpon has just changed their layout, so some people it might look different uh, for than others, but usually you want to click under your favorites tab or your profile tab uh, to get to a, a list of your existing reviews, the sites that you've already submitted, um, and there's also a button there that says add a site, and that's the one that you're looking for. Cool, and, and that's so, as simple as it is. 
That's as simple as it is. And, you know, at a site, it has three fields. URL, where you can copy and paste the URL from whatever content you created, mm-hmm. um, whether it's, you know, an easy article, a YouTube video, a Tumblr post, your own blog post, anything like that that's rich media that, you know, people are going to, you know, have feedback on, and you can also then drive them to your squeeze page. Um, there's a field for keywords that you can do based on what I already mentioned that are targeted. You don't want to use your own band name or your own name as a keyword, but rather similar artists and what the content is actually about. Um, and then a review that you know you can type a couple sentences if you want to check out this great new track or <clears throat> you know this video is amazing. You'll really enjoy it. I mean, it, no one's ever going to really see it, but the keywords also help drive traffic via the StumbleUpon engine. Sure, sure. I think that's really important, and I think a lot of people miss the boat here uh, when it comes to content creation particularly with something like YouTube, uh, we might go out and just again, using sort of myself as an example, uh, the, the tendency for years is to go, maybe I'd, I'd shoot a sh- uh, video of a show and I put it up, John Ojaka uh, at, uh, you know, uh, the House of Blues or something like that. But the only people I'm pulling in there are existing fans, so I'm preaching to the choir and I'm not gaining any new mileage out of it, as opposed to creating that very same video and uh, typing in Ring of Fire by Johnny Cash dash cover by John Ojaga or some, something similar or even just leaving my name out of it completely uh, and then uh, in that instance I'm pulling in a whole new group of fans people that have never been exposed to me and if I've got a call to action as you as you mentioned there in the video description maybe even in the video itself with a link that takes you back over to your squeeze page or, or an offer for uh, a free track in exchange for, for an email address when someone signs up to your list uh, you're, you're then building your list as a result of, of that traffic. And I think a lot of musicians are really missing out on that. So that's a good point. Um, Definitely. Uh, now let's talk about the realities of this strategy. You mentioned some pretty impressive numbers uh, using this alone. Now, you, you, how, how often are you doing this? Are you doing this once a day, several times a day, just once a month? Like, How often are you doing this and what kind of results are you seeing? You know, uh, I'm definitely not giving it my full effort right now. I'm, like you said, I've got my hands on a lot of plates. I'm, you know, involved in a number of things. Uh, so I haven't been able to focus on this exclusively. That being said, you know, I, I spend, you know, you know, a few minutes at least once a week just on StumbleUpon. And, uh, so far I've seen, you know, about 40,000 hits, uh, just, you know, to my squeeze page alone, uh, from StumbleUpon. So I, I can pretty much say that it's generating traffic, whether or not I'm actually getting, you know, the subscriptions and uh, the, you know, purchases to, ma- to back that up is something that has a lot of other factors. And like you had mentioned, uh, you know, my squeeze page itself probably needs a little work. Um, you know, that being said, you know, I'm always, you know, down to tune it and, and tweak it to, to get the, the most appropriate uh Response and increase the conversion rate. Sure. Well, you still talked about, I mean, some impressive numbers. While the conversion rate maybe could be improved, what did you say you estimated was in terms of just subscribers? How many people do you feel have signed up to your uh, mailing list as a result of StumbleUpon alone? I know you, you know, tracking is a little difficult. You may be just ballparking here, but what did you say you thought it was just off of this month alone? I, I think, I think it was around 700 um, that I can trace directly to to leads from StumbleUpon. Right. Um, and you know, I'm I'm just getting started on the the mailing list. I use Mailchimp; it works really well. Sure. Um, but I, I I think that's definitely a good start. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the conversion rate leaves leaves a little uh, room for improvement, but nonetheless, I mean, I think that's pretty incredible. Uh, seven hundred people, and again, we're, we're ballparking here, but seven hundred people and forty thousand visitors for you said a couple of minutes a week. I mean, <laughs> that's that's pretty insane. Uh, that's a pretty insane. Yeah, it doesn't insane. cost me a thing. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's a pretty insane return on your investment of time. Uh, we got folks out there, um, you know, making videos and writing articles, and uh, there are a lot of other traffic strategies. That that perhaps maybe get better conversion rates, but require a lot more time. So uh, you know, truth be told, stumble upon is something I've used for uh, link building purposes, but I've never really gone out and spent a lot, a lot of time using it to target traffic. So uh, this is something that that I'll play with, and I, I thought it was really interesting. And anytime someone's moving any kind of numbers, that you know, I, I think it's worth sharing. I think that uh, while everything is relative, 700 subscribers. Um, Probably doesn't sound like a lot to some. To others, it sounds huge. Uh, I'm, I deal with a lot of musicians every day, and I can tell you there are people who've been working at it for years and only have uh, and have lists that are smaller than than the number of subscribers you you pulled in just in this last month from one traffic generation technique. So um, I, I think that's pretty impressive. Um, are there any other well, sort thank of? You. Yeah, absolutely. Are there any other? tips or strategies or is there anything else we're leaving out of this process for people is there anything in terms of uh keywords do you use any criteria do you just sort of use common sense and, and sit down and ask yourself what what keywords might my potential audience be searching for are you doing keyword research are you looking at trends within stumble upon any other techniques at, at all that people need to be aware of um, yeah, I mean, when you talk about keywords, the most important thing is to know the limitations of each platform where you're using keywords. Um, so, for example, on YouTube, you can enter in as many keywords as you want uh, using quotes, uh, and they will all get displayed on the video page uh, and be indexed for SEO purposes. When it comes to stumble upon, on the other hand, only the first five keywords that you enter will be used. So uh, it's really a matter of, you know, a lot of people waste a lot of time or they put in, you know, 50 keywords and they don't realize that once they click the save button, they're all truncated except for the first five. Gotcha. So that being said, you have to choose ones that are really relevant and that people are going to be searching for. Not your artist name, not your band name, uh, you know, not the name of the track, but you know, something more broad like house music or electro or dead mouse or, you know, Swedish house mafia. Those are the ones that I use because I've done some market research and shown that my music is, you know, ranks highly among fans of those artists. So I want to target people that are already interested in those similar musicians. Gotcha. So are you using those keywords regardless of whether or not the content you've created is actually relevant to the, to those artists or to those keywords? Uh, or are you only, in, are, are in you some cases? Yes. Okay. Uh -huh. I mean, if I get five keywords, three of them might be generic and two might be specific to the content. So gotcha. for the South Park Jersey Shore video I mentioned, you know, the first two keywords might be South Park and the second, you know, the South Park Jersey Shore. And then the next one's Dead Mouse, Avicii, Swedish House Mafia. Gotcha. Um, and that's my five keywords for that once in content. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, and what about how StumbleUpon displays the, you know, this sort of snippet of text? I, I haven't been there in a while. I presume that it's still a headline and a sentence or two of supporting text, much like you find in a sort of Google search query. Um, what is what is the language and where is that pulled from? Are you are you filling that in when you uh, stumble yes. upon something, or is it being that is user? It's user generated content. Um, 
So that's that review line I was talking about. When you add a site to the StumbleUpon database, mm -hmm. there is a, a text field where you can type a couple sentences, and that will be displayed. Um, and like I mentioned, they're redoing um, or ha they, they've redesigned the StumbleUpon site. So now I don't know that it's displayed by default. It might have to be something where you move your mouse over the link and it, then it shows that description text. Um, but in you know, in, the, in any case, it's still indexed by search engines. So anything you type there can help as a, as a keyword. Gotcha. I've used dig.com uh, uh, in a sort of similar way in the past for traffic, and I know that the, the 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 call to action or the text, the headline, was very very important in terms of performance. Uh, how, how much sure. or how important have you found it with StumbleUpon, and how much thought goes into it's it not, for you? It's not important at all. Uh, it's not important at all because. It's completely random when most people are hitting your site um, because they're clicking a button. They're not choosing it from a list. Ah. Um, it, only if somebody is actually looking at your user profile or at your past reviews or something like that are they going to read that description text. Um, but most of the time when people interact with StumbleUpon, it's either uh, clicking this actual Stumble uh, button on their website or by using one of the browser toolbars so they would never even see that text to begin with. Interesting. And does the number of sort of stumbles or the number of plus, uh, I don't know what you call it, thumbs up buttons that people have pressed, uh, that's an uneloquent way of, or not very eloquent way of saying saying how the process works, but does the number of people that have interacted with that content on StumbleUpon affect your ranking and the, uh, you know, does it push it higher up in their algorithm somehow or is that not a factor? I think so. I mean, I, I definitely don't know all the details of how their algorithm works, but I use a number of StumbleUpon accounts, not just one, to, to drive traffic. And I've, I've definitely noticed, especially when you submit content more regularly, that the uh, the numbers generated uh, as a traffic source definitely jump uh, significantly higher after you've been submitting content for a while, as opposed to once you do it for a new account. So, you know, if you're listening out there and you try this and you do it once and you don't see any results, don't give up, but I would say try it again because the results will definitely improve. Gotcha, gotcha. That's that's good to know. And you said you use multiple accounts. Why is that? Are there limits on how, how much you can interact with the site uh, each day or how many sites you can submit or why, do you, why are you spreading it out across a couple of accounts? There are no limits. I, I have a, I have a feeling. Speaking of their algorithm, I have a feeling that the more people or the more accounts that submit one particular URL um, also has a has a weight in you know how how uh, many other users are targeted at that URL. So by using that logic, I have three or four accounts that I use at any given time. Um, I see. To build up my links. I see. That sounds like um, valuable info there. Now, uh, I didn't realize that you could submit a site more than once, so that's good to know. Uh, what happens if a site is already submitted and then another user comes along and tries to submit it through um, their account? Does it does it will it only display one set of content or will it create essentially two descriptive uh, links for the same content and cycle the content through um, more than once? Um, the first user's content stays with the video, the person who originally submitted it, the I, description. I see. But the second user can add tags um, as well as that video gets added to their favorite list or their thumbs up list or whatever it's called. Um, and so, you know, it's stuck on another page for search engines to index. I see. Okay. And that leads to the next question is the search engine indexing outside of StumbleUpon. Does Google index those pages? Absolutely, uh, it's it's a huge a huge source. Uh, when you search for a lot of things on Google, StumbleUpon is one of the top results, and because of that high page rank, um, those 
those pages on StumbleUpon definitely get a traffic boost from not only Google, but, you know, Bing and all the other major search engines. Sure. Um, and in addition, I, I put the StumbleUpon links uh, as an embed code on all my blog posts. So, um, you know, on my, you know, content-rich website, all, all of the links, not only do they have a Facebook like button and a Twitter tweet button, but they also have a StumbleUpon submit button. Um, which allows third parties and my fans and you know anybody else reading this the site to also start this process on their own and you know drive traffic for me uh, you know and that's the, that's kind of the beauty of the whole web 2.0 culture. Sure. Yeah. Funny enough, somebody else, another web designer friend, uh, mentioned StumbleUpon in an email just the other day, asking um, we're working on a project together, and he was asking if I wanted to add the StumbleUpon buttons because he's seen uh, quite a bit of traffic to his sites using it, and uh, you know. Again, truth be told, I'd, I'd just not played with it enough, and I don't have it on my sites. But after talking to you, after getting that email from him, I think it's something I'm definitely going to have to do is add those little share buttons to the site. Um, my question is, how does what happens? Let's say someone comes to your site, you've put a new blog post out there, and you've got the share button on it, and no one has perhaps shared it on StumbleUpon yet. Uh, you didn't go to StumbleUpon yourself and add it to the, the site. What happens when a user co- comes to that content and clicks the share button via another website, such as a blog, does it then take them to StumbleUpon and ask them to go through the entire process, or does it just pull your H1 tags in your uh, description and add it automatically behind the scenes? Um, no, if they it treats it as if anybody were to submit it as the first time. So whether or not they choose to, you know, type in their own keywords and description, most people don't when they use it. They just click, you know, I like this or whatever, and it submits it. Um, uh, but if you were to go in there and add the description and the keywords, um, then they would see that. Uh, and it, yeah, it by default though, if they don't type anything, it shows the the title and. I'm not sure if it picks up the meta keywords or description. I think you actually have to put those in manually or it doesn't have anything at all. Gotcha. Um, but but it is open to the public. Anybody can submit it. Gotcha. Very cool. Well, this is good stuff. Uh, it's, a, it's a relatively new um, idea to me. Again, I, I'm familiar with social bookmarking and driving traffic, but it's not. I have just not used StumbleUpon to do it. So I really appreciate you sharing this. I think it's interesting. It's something I'm going to explore. Uh, uh, hopefully it's um, sparked a few ideas for folks listening. And, and yeah, once again, I, I really do appreciate you taking the time. For sure. Thanks a lot, John. Uh, I've definitely learned a lot from uh, all your materials and your website and your podcast. So uh, thanks for having me again. Uh, absolutely. And, and once again, if you want to uh, check out what Paul's up to, um, I'm sorry, it was at noegorecords.com. Is that the right? I don't didn't write that down here. For sure. Yeah, that's my record label. And then, of course, my... Uh, Website is paulloeb.net if you want to download a couple of free tracks. Cool, and, and I always kind of recommend folks do it. You should, you should go to paulloeb.net and check it out and just uh, sign up for those free tracks and check out what he's doing because uh, obviously it's working. He's, he's pulling in subscribers. He is making sales, and Paul's a smart guy. And, uh, you know, I think it's worth checking out because uh, there are few uh, – there are too few musicians out there who are business-minded and and really kicking kicking some butt with this stuff. So go to paulloeb.net and check out what he's doing. And again, you can learn more about his record label at No Ego Records. Uh, once again, sorry, noegorecords.com. Once again, thank you, Paul, and uh, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks a lot, John. All right, stumble upon. Uh, what do you think of that? Yeah, who'd have thought? You know, I've I've heard stumble upon. I've never used it before, and. 
from the sound of it, I mean, it's, besides it sounding very fun, it kind of has that, um, um, you know, thumb up, thumb down feature, which you can kind of just keep skipping through stuff till you find something you like. But he made a lot of really cool points about just how to, um, how to, to get your stuff out there. He made a, a nice distinction between branding, where you'd actually be going after your own name, uh, to going f- more for like a generic approach for the genre that you that your music's in. You know, I think that's really cool. Sure, sure. And I think he, you know, he touched on probably the most important thing that a lot of people really want to skip uh, is the fact that it's all about content. You know, anything you're sure. doing on the internet, you've got to you've got to create content, and it's it's either time consuming or you got to spend some money doing it. Uh, and and too many people want to skip that step. So it's it's cool to hear him, uh, you know, focused on ultimately what's what's the most important factor there. And even if stumble upon didn't drive the traffic, the the content he's creating creating itself would drive traffic youtube all on its own uh is a for just one example is a great place uh you know to to drive traffic so uh you know he's doing it right for sure and yeah i'm actually i'm sorry to cut you off there but i'm actually really glad to have heard that now because um you know what i've got coming up after the new year some of what he talked about with the different strategies with youtube and you know everything that you put out there content wise uh, submitting that all separately in a stumble upon. I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, I've got fireworks going off in my head right now. That was great. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, to be honest, uh, the first thing I did when we finished that interview is I went over to stumble upon and I, I literally just stumbled my site. That's it. It was from the music marketing manifesto, uh, dot com site, that is. And I went and checked my stats. I did it once. You know, I spent, we're talking 30 seconds, you know, and, uh, went back and checked my stats. And sure enough, I did see some traffic. Now, I, I did it once and spent 30 seconds and did not put much thought into it but it's nice and i didn't see forty thousand visitors to be clear i saw just <laughs> just the tiniest trickle but uh certainly you know where there's one visitor there are more and so that 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 was uh pretty cool i'll have to play with it i mean i'll be honest i'm i'm not 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 challenging paul at all in his experience but i'm i'm finding it hard to believe that you can generate forty thousand visitors for just a few minutes worth of work but even if you generated uh you know 400 visitors for a few minutes worth of work that would be pretty fantastic so i'm definitely going to play with that more i've used it for social bookmarking uh for seo purposes i've just never really looked into stumble upon purely for traffic generation yeah, I'm, I use bookmarking myself for for SEO purposes as well, and I never use Stumble Upon. It's just not one of the ones I thought to use. I'm just really not familiar, and now I'm excited to actually get take a peek at it because it really falls in line with the rest of my strategy. You know, and he did mention that in there as well that you know there are going to be some different factors. You know, the reason why you know you didn't see forty thousand visitors. Then again, he may just be so in tune with uh, the genre that he lies in and the people out there what they're searching for that he's just got it dialed in. You know, so there are you know different factors there. Sure, yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, for example, with what I'm doing for with Music Marketing Manifesto, that the music business keywords actually get a, a relatively small amount of traffic. Certainly, sure. certainly compared to artists and uh, musical genres, I, I don't actually know if this is true, but I've heard that uh, next to porn, music uh, is the single biggest source of, of bandwidth on the internet. So there's a lot of traffic out there when you dive into some of those artist-related keywords. So that's that's good stuff. Yeah, it's very cool interview. Cool. Well, uh, with that out of the way, we should probably start taking some questions because we got a lot of them. And as I mentioned, I don't think we're going to uh, get through all of them. So uh, I, I think there's something like 40 questions or so on deck. Uh, but but let's just jump right in here, if you would. If you'd queue up that first question, and uh, we'll, we'll just uh, take them as they come. All right. Let's get the first one in. Here we go. 
Hey, John, this is Dushan here. I'd like to know, how can I turn my Internet buzz and generate fans into hardcore cash? I'm not too worried about a record deal, but I'd like to know, how can I turn the music that I make and generate hardcore cash? Thank you. <laughs> well, he gets straight to it there. Uh, you know, that's pretty much uh, the question I think every every musician is asking is, how do I make some damn money? Um, well, th- thankfully, uh, you know, that's kind of what we're all about. Um, you know, we leave the art to uh, everybody when they're in the studio. That's a personal process, but we're here to, to talk about exactly that, making money. Now, obviously, there are so many little nuances to something like this, but what what we advocate, what we're pushing, a music marketing manifesto is simply uh, what is known in marketing circles as direct response marketing. There's some slight tweaks on it that make it di- a little different than marketing traditional products. But basically, what that comes down to is, and certainly what my advice is, is to focus on building a subscriber list, an email subscriber list. Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff, those are great tools for reinforcing the relationship and driving traffic, but nothing is going to drive sales like an email list. Uh, it caters more to a longer attention span. So build that uh, uh, email list, and then what what we're, we're trying to get musicians to become familiar with is – uh, a little bit of copywriting, basically, the sales process in general, because sales have been pretty broken down into a science for, for a long time, for you know a good hundred years or more, at least as it pertains to um, direct response marketing. This goes back to those first mail-order catalogs back with Montgomery Ward. And in a nutshell, what that means for musicians is build your list and craft a series of emails that are designed to both build a relationship and touch on some of these very well-proven sales triggers that are out there. And a good example of that is scarcity. Sending out an email that says, hey, my, my album's available, you can pick it up on iTunes, is going to only get you so far. Sending out an email that says, hey, my album's available, you can get it here, but uh, you're only going to be able to get it until the until the first 1,000 copies sell out, and then I'm never going to print another one, that creates an urgency that causes people to take action. And that's, again, there are a lot of different triggers out there, but that's the kind of thing that we're talking about. So it's it's building that relationship, it's understanding the sales process, and then sending out these these emails to your subscriber list that, that essentially go out and ask for the sale in this very sort of well-documented and proven sales approach that, that's been out there for quite a long time. That's, I don't know, that was a little bit, I uh, got a little tongue-tied there and <laughs> danced around the point, but that's that's primarily my my advice. Build yourself a list, send out some emails to that list, and, and, and create some incentives for people to take action quickly. You got any uh, anything to add there, Steve? Yeah, and I'm glad that we're talking about copywriting right off the top because uh, I think there's a a bit of a misunderstanding out there. I think people understand – if they do understand the value of having a list in the first place, they go out and they try to build this list. And when they put up their their website, they will have a place to capture – Info, you know, first name and email address. But I think the thing that seems to be missing for a lot of people is the actual, uh, the art of using language to create desire, make people take action. You know what I mean? Or at least enough of a curiosity or an interest or at least a commonality that makes them say, Hey, what's this all about? You know, so that they're, they're making an exchange with you. You know, they're at that point, you're not really selling anything, but you are kind of selling them on the idea of, of what you're, what you've got on the other side of that, that, 
that page is really beneficial to them, and it's just really walking them into taking that action. Sure, and you know, just to make it clear, we're not talking about cheesy stuff here. I think people, especially musicians who are so resistant to marketing and sort of, you know, the business side of things in general, um, because after all, we're, we're artists, and that's that's why we got into this, not not because we liked business inherently, um, but. Uh, when done right, this stuff doesn't feel like marketing at all. And, and for the most part, it's not. All you're doing is putting your best foot forward with the proper use of language, as you touched on. And, um, the, when done right, the consumer simply feels like they're having and is having a genuine relationship with you. So this isn't about mm-hmm. cheesy, you know, car commercial type type of stuff when i say traditional sales you know that the traditional sales process we're not talking about mattress commercials we're talking about uh you know really real relationship building really uh talking to your fans and and creating a story for them to plug into uh and ultimately along the way including a few triggers that that will cause folks to take action a lot more readily than they would otherwise so that's that's about uh, you know that's a quick take anyway that's a the uh, two minute take on on what we're ultimately trying to do and and that's that's our advice for you um, let's uh, let's keep going let's try to whip through as many of these as we can because there uh, as I mentioned there are quite a few uh, let's let's take the next one if we could all right here we go hey John um, Emilio Fasa calling uh, I'm just calling because um, I I wanted to get to get your opinion on is there anybody out there that could help with um like different marketing ideas what to say in an email because you know as a musician i'm not really sure what to say in an email um or different kind of marketing you know ideas or ploys to like try and get your fans to get excited about your product i, I don't really know what to say or how to word it is there anything that or anybody or any service out there that could help um, thank you very much, uh, and I look forward to you in the podcast. Bye. Um, good question, and there are, there are copywriters all over the place. Copywriters, unfortunately, are, are pretty expensive. This is a real skill, and when you're going out to, uh, you know, uh, when you're going after some of these, these more established copywriters, I mean, they can literally cost, depending on the market here, in hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now, of course, there are people out there who can do it for a hundred dollars. Um, but I, I think, and, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna plug one of, one of our own products here, but I, I think the best place to go is the insider circle. Uh, there, there are two, products available at musicmarketingmanifesto.com. One is a standalone course and the other is a mastermind community. And there are a number of their monthly training lessons in that, in that, uh, community. And, but there's also a forum and copywriting is a subject of a lot of discussion and people, uh, you can, you can go into the forum and post these kinds of questions, talk about what you're doing, get advice, and people are more than happy to not only push you in the right direction, but also critique your emails that you're thinking of sending out to your list. So uh, that would probably be the cheapest place to get some real hand-holding, but if you really want to go out and find a copywriter and get somebody to write this stuff for you, then uh, you certainly can do a quick Google search of copywriters, and, and you'll find some people out there. I just, I really, I think it's too expensive, to be honest. The the returns we're looking at as musicians are are so minimal, or at least the, the profit margins are so minimal that I hate to see people spending money on anything that they really don't need to. I, I think you'd be far better off to buy a $20 book on copywriting uh, or 
just uh, dive into a, a bit more of that in Music Marketing Manifesto and, and uh, really get a grasp of this stuff yourself. I know it might seem a little daunting in the beginning, but the, the process really is pretty straightforward. All you're doing is telling your stories, whether it's being on tour or being in the studio, but you're anchoring those stories to uh, a sales process. So all you kind of, at least in my opinion, all you're really doing is thinking of things that are happening in your life, thinking of the product or the album that you're trying to sell this particular week or month, and crafting an email or a blog post that weaves those two tales together, and then um, sort of breaking it up with these triggers that we talk about, be it social proof, by referencing all the blog comments that were left on a previous post, or be it scarcity, by saying there's only a 100 copies left, which, by the way, has to be true. You can't fake your scarcity. It's illegal and it's not cool. Um, but uh, but again, th- that's basically the process. And and when you haven't done it before, uh, you know, there, it's, it's a creative process and it can feel awkward and clumsy and weird. And I think our tendency is to go out and copy all, all the marketing that we're so familiar with. But the problem with that is the marketing that stands out in our mind is usually bad marketing. It's the infomercials that we spend our life watching. And that's, that's not what we're trying to do. Sure, you can see that sales structure there, but you, when done right, particularly, for music, you just want it to feel like uh, you're telling a story to your fans. Uh, you're just simply trying to, again, um, use that story to direct people to one particular course of action. Um, you have anything to add to that, Steve? I do. I do. Just because I'm a bit of a, a bit of a geek about copywriting in general, I just sure. really like it. Kind of fascinated by it. And one of the things, you know, you did mention the insider circle. One of the things that I really enjoy uh, as part of my interaction in the insider circle is I love reading other people's email and seeing what they're going for and being able to, to at least help them along to, to maybe shorten the story, take out some little bits. You want to tell a story because people love stories, especially if it's something that's, you know, comes off as to be very interesting. But like you said, it's got to be anchored to a sales process and somewhere in there, you either want to tie them back to a piece of content somewhere or actually tie them back to a piece of content that, that is making a sales pitch for, like you said, a limited time offer for the holidays. Uh, but it's, it's all crafted a certain way, but you have to keep two things in mind. One, obviously you are trying to sell music, but the other thing is you're trying to build a relationship with a very real person who very privately is on the other side of a computer screen or a phone or whatever, uh, giving you their attention. Sure, sure. I think, yeah, I think the most important thing is really to, to ultimately remember that if what, if the messages you're sending out are, are, are not interesting enough that you yourself would, would want to read them, if you receive them, then you're gonna fail. Um, Chris Rempel, uh, he's a very well established marketer that I respect a great deal, is sort of the guy that taught me everything I know about marketing. Uh, he did a lesson in the Insider Circle recently in one of the monthly, uh, one of the monthly training modules and he talked a lot about uh, imagine your or he said imagine yourself standing in front of a live audience if you're up on stage and you've got to talk to a room full of real people um, if you sort of put on that hat or imagine that mentally before you sit sit down to write your emails 
it, it changes the tone and it changes your approach because a lot of this crap that we write when we're, you know, when we're sort of just cutting our teeth with copywriting, it, it's bad. You know, you wouldn't get up and say that to an audience. If you're going to get up in front of a live audience, you wouldn't say, Hey, buy my CD, you know, <laughs> which is what most of the emails that I get from musicians <laughs> uh, amount to. Rather, you'd talk to them in a real way. You'd tell them who you were. You'd ask who they were. You'd, you'd, uh, tell a story that they could relate to and that they would genuinely find interesting. And then perhaps at some point, once interest was peaked, you would, you would offer your music as a continuation of that experience. And, um, you know, I, I suppose we're not really <laughs> answering his question because he said, is there anyone out there he can go to? And we're telling him how to do it himself. Uh, you know, I think it's because we both, I'm um, speaking for you here, Steve, but we both feel that it's such a valuable tool that you're only going to help yourself to learn it yourself. Um, if I can interject yeah. there, I, I actually think it's the most valuable skill. Sure, sure. I, I would you agree. know what I mean? I would agree. When you, when you learn to master, um, copywriting, you really kind of, kind of can print money on demand. Uh, when you have any size of an audience and you know how to use words to, cause people to take action, then you literally, it, it is literally as simple as writing an email and sending it to your list, uh, and you will see money every single time you do it. That's what happens uh, in my career online, and I'm sure that's what happens in yours, Steve, and it's just, it's... It's powerful stuff. So, I mean, there are a lot of books out there. Dan Kennedy's one of the, the famous voices of comedy. I love Dan Kennedy. Yeah, he's got he's got fantastic stuff, just about anything by him. But uh, if you focused on some of his stuff that was more dedicated to copywriting, you'd be in good hands, and his stuff's pretty inexpensive. But again, I, I, I think, and I know I'm biased, but the insider circle is probably the best place to go simply because you've got a huge community of musicians who are engaging in this stuff every day and you can write your emails and bounce you know post them there in the forum and ask ask for feedback that's happening all the time and i think it's a, a cool thing and i'm seeing growth with a lot of the the musicians there who are getting better and better at it so that's that's the long and short of it um anything to add before we move on steve no i mean it's definitely just be yourself uh be interesting and tie it back into what you're ultimately trying to accomplish, which is sell your music. Very cool. Well, let's uh, take on the next question. All right. Here we go. Hello, John. Hello, everyone. Um, my name is Don Patterson. I've been a member for quite some time now. I'm 43 from Philadelphia, being a songwriter. And, John, my question for you is, in the case of the independent songwriter, let's say you have a, let's say you have co-written a song with another writer. And now the phone is being downloaded, streamed, et cetera, you know, from uh, sites like iTunes or, you know, TuneCore or any place like that. Um, the earning revenue, how would you handle them? How would you handle these clips? Would they be uh, handled the same as the recruitment would be handled from a major label? Uh, for example, pay writers, pay publishers, and then everyone else? Um, that would basically be my question. Thanks. That's the best. Bye. Uh, that was a little hard for me to make out. Some of the audio was was a bit murky there, um, and I followed part of it. You, I wasn't totally clear what he was asking. Did you Did you follow that, Steve? No, I, I think what I got out of it was that he's a co-writer to a song, and the song is being downloaded, obviously, for money. So he wanted to know, I, I'm guessing, how to divvy the revenues between either the co-writers and whoever else is involved with getting the song out there. Uh, or if it's handled the way the majors do it, and you know, I've never been on a major label, so I don't know how they handle it or why it would even be different. But uh, maybe you can shed some light on that. Well, if we're talking about publishing, then the labels 
have nothing to do with it typically anyway. They, they're not really a part of that. It's more a pu- that's a publishing issue and the publishing companies would, would deal with that. Um, in terms of how it's split, you really can work out any sort of deal you want there. I've always just done equal splits. If, uh, th- th- personally I break it down, well I've done it in two ways. I've either just done it equal and who cares who did what, uh, and we just split it at 50-50, even if somebody only put in 20% maybe of the lyrics. The other way is to break it into music and lyrics uh, and split that 50-50, but I, I don't personally get into much squabbling there, certainly not these days. I just just kind of, once I'm going to do a co-write, it's a co-write, and I'm just going to share, but I, you know, I, I don't know. I hope that addresses his question. Yeah, I hope so too. I, I really didn't hear it quite too well either. Cool. Well, um, uh, if uh, for any reason we didn't get that, just call in and maybe leave that again. Uh, it was just a little hard to hear, but uh, but hopefully uh, hopefully that addressed it. Uh, with that, let's uh, let's let's hear the next one. All right, let me cue it up here, and it's set. Hi, John. My name is Lee Manuel. My question really is, how can I get people to click the buy button? I've uh, accumulated roughly a thousand fans uh, via Facebook, doing Facebook advertising, but still up to this point um, have not uh, seen sales uh, from that effort. So I'm trying to crack the code uh, to figure out how to get people to click the buy button. Thank you. Well, we're getting a lot of questions right off the bat that uh, pertain to copywriting. We're just sort of taking these randomly, but uh, they all really kind of point back to copywriting uh, right out of the gate. Uh, I suppose that speaks to how important uh, it ultimately is. How you get people to take action is to provide some kind of a time-sensitive incentive. Uh, If you offer a bundle, a free track, a discount, basically – Here's what's going to happen from the, the potential buyer's point of view. You're, they're going to get exposed to your music and whatever offer it is that you've got. Uh, usually, even if they like it, there, there's going to be buyer resistance. This is human. This is normal. We always try to talk ourselves out of parting with our money because we don't want to spend our money. And if they like the music, what's usually going to happen is they're going to go, hmm, that's cool. I'll think about it and come back to it later. But if you take away that argument or that logic because they've got to make the decision right now because later the the same opportunity is not going to exist, then you're forcing them to take that immediate action. You're going to see the greatest amount of sales. Um, Another thing that I I kind of wanted to quickly touch on, and I'm not 100% clear what you're doing over there, but you you mentioned Facebook fans. And while that's great, uh, a 1,000 fans is definitely a step in the right direction. There's a huge difference between uh, Facebook fans and email subscribers. Certainly in my experience, I know I did a, a case study on the blog a while back and I'm probably going to get these numbers wrong, but I, at the time I had approximately the same number of subscribers on my email list as I did Facebook fans on Facebook. And I got something like, I sent out an, basically the same promotional message and got something like 1500 clicks from the email message and about 50 clicks from Facebook. So while, while I'm not knocking Facebook. It's a great tool. Uh, a Facebook fan is just not equal to a 
uh, an email subscriber. So I would say right out of the gate, you want to be focusing um, that that advertising or that promotion to a, a squeeze page. You want to be capturing their email address rather than uh, just simply sending people to click a like button on Facebook. And for anyone who's completely new here, maybe just finding us on iTunes, when we say a squeeze page, a squeeze page is a simple page that only basically has a single call to action. There are no links to other content. It's just a, hey, here's my offer. In this case, it's a, a free download. And to get it, you need to enter your email address, and I'll send it to your inbox. It's called a squeeze page because it's designed to squeeze contact information out of a visitor. So that's what we're talking about if ever you hear us say squeeze page. you have anything to add to that, uh, Steve? Yeah, actually, you kind of were reading my mind on that one because when he mentioned that, he had, you know, face people, he was driving lots of traffic from Facebook. He just couldn't get people to click the buy button. My initial thought was, uh, whether or not he was actually driving them into an email follow up or was it just Facebook to the buy button on the, the retail site where his music is actually sold at? If that's the case, if that's what they're going straight to the buy button, you know what? You, you don't have any control, uh, to use any direct response kind of marketing because you don't control that, that site. Uh, if you're using like a, a band camp or something like that to to actually get people to to click, you can't change anything on that to to make a call to action. Um, whereas if they got to that buy button through your email follow up, they may not buy after the first email, but you, at least you've got several chances to get back to them. So if you want people to buy, you know, obviously drive them into some sort of email follow up, but then you know just sort of keep putting that opportunity to buy in front of them, you know, very tactfully in the vein, like we said earlier, of building a relationship. You should see people, you know, taking action and buying. Sure, sure. Uh, definitely, definitely agree. So um, let's uh, let's keep moving. All right. Hi, um, my name is Ben. Uh, my question is, what is the best way to get in contact with uh, manufacturers for whom I have a song that would be perfect for the type of product that they sell. Uh, the best way to get it in front of a decision maker, probably someone in marketing of those firms, uh, what would you recommend would be the best way to get that song in front of those, uh, those decision makers of those companies when you have a song that is perfect for a type of product that they're selling? Okay, thanks a lot. Looking forward to uh, the podcast. Bye-bye. Well, I'm a little murky on the details. Uh, give me your take on on this one, Steve. I, I take this as he's he's got maybe something that would go well, and let's say uh, I don't know. Um, this is probably not what he's doing, but a doll and uh, or or a to- kids' toy or something like that that uh, it's got a musical component to it. I, I take it that he's talking about a physical product um, out there in the real world, not a music product specifically. Is that how you read that? Actually, I'm thinking, I'm wondering if maybe he, he uh, writes jingles, possibly, if he's putting music together to actually be in a, some sort of audio, radio, television ad, you know what I mean? Sure, sure. Yeah, it's a hard one to answer because obviously the, the process would be very different if you're going after jingles and music placements and that sort of thing. Um, but when he used the word product, it made me think that he, he's talking about something, uh, a physical product out there in the, in the real world. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not really sure. Um, if that is the case... Uh, you know, I don't really have the answer. That's not something just to shoot straight. Uh, that's not something I've really ever focused on. I would assume that you're, you're basically, uh, 
something like that is going to come down to deal making. You're going to have to basically pound the pavement. You, uh, if it were me, I would simply ask myself, uh, who it is that, who, who's my target company? Uh, and then I make a list of other companies that were, you know, sort of second, second tier choices. And I just start picking up the phone and asking them that question. I know that's not a very, uh, sexy answer, but that, that's really all I do. Um, if we're talking about things like placements, then obviously the, the process is going to be a bit different. Uh, you have anything to, to add there? No, I mean, this is well out of my range of expertise. I mean, that's uh, it, without understanding, like you said, whether he's, he's writing music for, um, it, basically just trying to get the, the music that he's writing to be in some sort of advertisement. Or if, like you said, there's actually a product out there that uh, I guess musically, somehow tied to it you know that's not something i would really fully have an answer for sure sure maybe give us a call back and uh, tell us more about the product and that might help us a bit um and we we can address it in a future show all right you ready to rock the next question here yeah let's do it okay here we go yeah hi how are you doing this is uh mark and uh, my question is i i i've been able to get some sales using uh the squeeze page and um, I'm I'm on all pretty much all the social media platforms that I know of, but I still haven't really generated um, the kind of buzz to come up with some sustainable income. And um, I don't really think it's just on the quality of, of the tracks that I'm doing, uh, which you know the product just continues to get better and better, but. Uh, so I guess my question is, you know, what am I doing wrong? I um, I send emails, but I find, like, you know, I'm not getting enough email addresses. And then my budget is quite low, so I just usually do things that are cheap. Um, I've used YouTube, and YouTube has kind of brought me some income, but it's just these little fractions of a dollar. And I don't know how to get enough math to um, to make any money, really. Uh, what am I doing wrong? I guess this is my question. Okay, thanks. Well, um, yeah, uh, that, that's a that's a great question. Um, yeah, for, it is. First off, I'd say that it's it's almost certainly not about the music uh, because this sales process. I don't want to say that it's independent of the music because it's not entirely, but it really is more about the strength of your sales process than the music itself. Uh, whether or not a person becomes a, a, a real fan and sticks around for the long haul, that is all about the music. Uh, but but that's the sales process. It really is so powerful that the music uh, becomes somewhat secondary from a marketing point of view uh, as your question as you were asking your question i was i was thinking this has to be just a case of not enough traffic and not enough exactly. subscribers and then and then you touched on it halfway through uh, you you said you're not able to get enough email addresses and and that's really what i'd say is going on here, you're going to need to step up your traffic generation and focus more on traffic generation because the good news is that you're seeing sales. Uh, if you've got your squeeze page up and you're saying that's working for you and you don't have very many subscribers, then you, uh, you know, you've got a system that is working. You just need to ramp up that traffic. And I don't want to say like, hey, traffic generation is simple. It's not. It's, it's, 
it takes work and it's a skill set like anything, but uh, it really can be done and it can be done inexpensively. So I'd, I'd focus on learning the art of traffic generation. You mentioned YouTube. There are countless techniques for driving traffic out there, and some of them cost money. And many of them are free. You can do a lot of this for free, but it's, if it's, if it's not, if you're not going to spend money, it's going to take time. It really is. Um, uh, unless I guess you're using stumble upon because that's, that was outrageous, but, um, but, uh, it usually takes <laughs> quite a lot of time to generate a significant amount of traffic. Um, but once you get a business model that's working and you've got that profit coming in, you can then outsource it and expand. Uh, for example, just talking about YouTube traffic, for example, I don't know what you're doing, but most people are simply making a few videos and putting them out there with some links and maybe a URL in the video itself pointing back to that squeeze page. Well, just right off the surface, a few things you can do is uh, really do a little keyword research and target specific keywords with that video. And, and so, for example, Paul talked about this in the StumbleUpon interview. Rather than targeting your name as an artist, you want to go out there and be targeting um, perhaps genre, perhaps artist-specific keywords that have a lot of search volume. Um, you can do keyword research for free. Uh, there's a free keyword tool out there. If you just go to Google and search Google Keyword Tool. It'll be the first thing that comes up. It's a free keyword tool. You enter your keyword in there, and it'll give you Google's search volume estimates for the month. This is a tool that advertisers use or that Google has created for their advertisers, but it gives the rest of us um, some pretty good estimates of what is potentially out there. So I'd go check that out and find some keywords that are uh, maybe uh, genre-specific or maybe they are keywords related to other artists that are similar to yourself and create content uh, videos around those artists. Now, you can create one video. You can do slight tweaks on that video, um, uh, edit it. Uh, ever so slightly uh, do a mashup like Paul talked about. Uh, there's all kinds of things you can do, and you can create many videos out of what is essentially the same content. There are also countless video networks out there. You can um, There are a number of services that are very inexpensive that allow you to submit a video to dozens of different sites. Heck, you can go to Fiverr, that's F-I-V-E-R-R.com, and get someone to submit it to... I, I, I think I've seen 25, 30 different video directories for just five bucks. You can get people to literally make videos for you uh, with your uh, track for just five dollars. I mean, they're not going to be amazing, but they're going to be content that you can get out there, and uh, you get enough of this going, and you're going to see some real. Uh, traffic. One of the traffic generation techniques that I talk about a lot in Music Marketing Manifesto is called article marketing, and that's essentially creating articles, creating content that's keyword uh, targeted to go out there and pull in traffic from the search engines. And, and in these articles, you're allowed a resource box that ultimately points back to your squeeze page. Now, uh, if you just kind of looked at it from the point of view, of, let's say you created a thousand articles over the course of a year, you know, we're talking three articles a day, uh, and each one of those articles just got a click a day, and some of them are not even going to get that, others are going to get hundreds of clicks a day, um, or at the very least dozens of clicks a day. Now, uh, if, if each one of those articles just averaged a click a day, and yet it would take you a year to get there, a uh, year of dedication and hard work, but you could you could potentially be having 1,000 new visitors to your site every single day, and if just 25% of them were signing up, you'd get 
250 new people to your site. And that, that's enough to really do something. That's enough to actually uh, pull in some sustainable income. The, the other final thing I want to say on that is just to make sure that you uh, are not just selling one CD because it is hard to make a living $10 at a time. If you if you really think of your business as a sales funnel, it starts with that initial product, and then you you capitalize on each subscriber in additional ways with merchandise and maybe a, a membership site, a subscription model of some kind. Uh, live shows they can't be left out because live shows are a great way to make a lot of money very quickly. Um, uh, internet concerts, house concerts. Uh, uh, special editions, vinyl, all kinds of things that can be added to that funnel so that each subscriber uh, or each customer rather is not just bringing in $10 but is actually, you know, has the potential of bringing in hundreds of dollars. That's a really important piece of the puzzle that a lot of, a lot of musicians are really missing out on. And I, I think this is a result of so many people relying on platforms like iTunes, which, you know, are great platforms in their own way but uh they they take all the control away from you uh, itunes owns that customer itunes owns their information and I, I guess i'm sort of advocating as much as you can controlling the sales process yourself so that you can profit uh over and over again and increase the bottom line per subs uh per subscriber yeah, and that's a great segue into the point that I was going to make, and that's you know obviously you said in the beginning here that he is he's not doing anything wrong at all. In fact, I'd argue he's doing a lot of the right things. And traffic is it sounds like is his major problem. And traffic's like you know it can either be like a drip or it can be a full fledged rush of traffic. Uh, and ultimately, when you control the sales process, and it sounds like he's got a good handle on it because he is getting some sales, but I think it's only for the the dollar tracks, you know, ninety nine cent tracks. But he is getting people to take an action, and if he just takes advantage of more and more of these free traffic generating techniques, obviously the stumble upon interview we just listened to is a great one, uh, so that he can actually use all that content together uh, and release it at the same time, and, and just get the the links back to his squeeze page. Uh, out there much more so that he's getting a lot more traffic. When he, when you're, when you're driving the traffic and you, and if you are getting them into that follow-up system and you're able to see how many people are taking action and purchasing, it's going to give you a little bit of confidence to, to understand whether or not you can afford to go and turn that faucet of traffic on through pay-per-click or something like that. Now, obviously that's something you'd want to actually, uh, invest in educating yourself a little on before you dive into pay-per-click. But if you just take advantage of the free stuff you're already doing, Figure out ways to leverage that, you know, through a site like StumbleUpon, for instance, until you can really get a good look inside of how many people are signing up per, per visitor, how many people are buying per sign up. And there you got the confidence to go out and possibly throw some money at the, at the solution and see that traffic really turn on for you. Sure, sure. That is definitely the end game, in my opinion, is to be able to make paid traffic work for you, uh, because then you, you really are, once you've got that, that uh, sales funnel in place and you know your subscriber value, you can really turn on some paid traffic and you, you really are just printing money at that point. So that's the end game. But uh, when you're just starting off with this stuff, you're going to need to use free techniques and really educate yourself like, like Steve said, because it, it is a skill set. It's not, uh, it's not simple or everyone would be doing it. But in my opinion, it's a, it's a heck of a lot better approach than waiting around for some major label to come and make you a star. Uh, uh, you know, in fact, it's a, it's a lot easier of an approach as well. In fact, it's it really, at least if we're, you know, going to exclude the sort of lightning strike, uh, freak, freak, 
stories that are out there. It's it's really the only way to do this, in my opinion. Uh, I, I really think that this is the approach that's going to work for people. Sure, and it's something that you talk about all the time. It's about having control, and like you said, with that lightning strike of hoping you're going to get the the big record deal. Uh, in that in that ideal, there's a lot of hope. And when you take this approach to it, you can actually see that it's more of a science. Scientifically, you watch the numbers and you realize whether you're going up or going down and what you can do ultimately to, to make things turn around for you and start heading in the right direction. You got that control. There's no more hope to worry about. You know, I, I'm just, it, it's a stark, stark contrast when you think about it in those terms. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's take another question here. All right. Here we go. Hey, John, got your email, thought I'd call in and um, ask about touring and with the way the market is these days, touring and doing live gigs is more important than than ever. It's really the only financial income musicians and the bands really have these days. A little bit of merch, but radio and CD sales are just not happening. So I just thought that uh, maybe we could talk a little bit more about that. All right, I'm glad somebody asked about touring because uh, it's one of these areas that I'm kind of buzzed out about. I've got some sort of ideas on the subject that I, 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 I can't implement right now because I'm not uh, in the middle of touring. I'm finishing up a record, about to get married, and I'm in New Zealand at the, at the, for the time being. So uh, I'm not touring, so whenever I've kind of got something I want to try and I can't do it, I get a little obsessed on it. And to me, it seems this is what I will be doing when I next hit the road is I, I would in, experiment with some geo-targeted advertising. And when I say advertising, I'm usually talking about pay-per-click advertising. Uh, that's where you use networks like AdWords through Google uh, or Facebook's advertising network. There's the Microsoft Ad Center, and there are just hundreds of ad networks out there. But I like online advertising you have a lot of control over it and you get a lot of data you can really target people and I would target uh, select cities I'd, I'd pick a tour route that was let's say maybe five cities all very close to home I live you know spend most of my time in Los Angeles and so for me that might mean San Diego San Francisco um, maybe even a city like Riverside um, what else? Uh, you know, Los Angeles, of course, uh, places that I could ideally drive home from and not have to spend a lot of money on hotels and not a whole lot of money on gas just to keep costs low. Now, I know that's not as romantic as traveling, you know, all the way across the country, and there's definitely a place for that. I love doing it, but uh, we're talking purely on a business level here, and I and I'd, I'd create a, a five city tour route like that, and I'd reach out to some clubs and try to set up residencies in each one of those uh, cities. Then I'd go and invest in advertising all within, you know, a very close proximity to those major cities. You want to, you want to pick cities that uh, have populations, I'd say, of at least 100,000 because you need to get traffic. You do need to be able to have some, you know, some potential subscribers. Ideally, you're talking about hundreds of thousands, even potentially millions of people, uh, because the more people are there, the easier it's going to be to to buy that traffic. But then I, I build my list just in those cities, and imagine just having two or 3,000 
imagine having just uh, you know two or three thousand people in each one of those cities and simply sending out an email blast to those subscribers saying hey uh, I'm playing tonight uh, I've got a guest list of a hundred people I, or uh, I've got a discount list of a hundred people email me back if you want to be on it or and uh, pushing it that way you could actually use uh, I don't want to get too complicated here, but you could actually use some text message marketing techniques as well and um, uh, integrate that with your autoresponder sign-up form right there on your squeeze page and get phone numbers so you could send out text blasts as well to remind people if you wanted to do do that. But if you had a few thousand people in each one of those cities, you're going to pull bodies. And if you can pull any amount of people to a room and uh, the club is seeing that, you're going to get asked back and you're going to start to be able to uh, command some real money from these venues. I used to be a club promoter. Anybody that could pull uh, at least 30 people uh, at some of the smaller bars I worked at, heck, even at some of the bigger ones, I was happy to book. Um, and it's just, you'd be surprised how few people actually pull numbers. So if you're pulling anybody, um, especially if you get into pulling hundreds of people and filling some of these smaller rooms, you're going to be able to bring in two, three, five hundred dollars maybe, maybe even more from these venues. You're going to be in the bargaining, uh, you're, you're going to have all the bargaining power in this situation. So, uh, and, and you're going to seriously increase your ROI on that paid advertising. You're not just selling $10 CDs now. You, you're selling $10 CDs plus potentially $500 shows every single uh, you know night of the week. And that income can increase dramatically. I, I think I broke this down somewhere. Maybe it was in one of the Insider Circle coaching calls or something. But uh, let's say you uh, – you know built a list of 20,000 people. And let's say you had to spend, you know, 50 cents a person to get there. I'm totally pulling these numbers out of thin air, but 50 cents per subscriber. I know uh, have, we have a number of members who are working around that that uh, cost point there. I don't know how you say that. <laughs> that are paying about that much per subscriber. So let's say it costs you $10,000 to build that subscriber list of 20,000 people. And let's say 5% of that 20,000 ultimately purchases your album, so you've sold 1,000 copies. Now, right there, uh, if you're profiting 10 bucks a CD, you've kind of broken even on your advertising. And uh, you, know, you could stop there, and uh, at least you'd have some new fans. But let's say you added uh, just live shows to that model. Model and let's say you again because because let's say that that ten thousand people was split up over five markets because you did geo targeted advertising and you got uh, two thousand people uh, in uh, in each of five cities uh, and let's say you're able to pull you know just even I don't know fifty a hundred people a night into each one of those cities during your residencies you're you're I'm telling you you're not going to have a hard time commanding two hundred bucks at least out of these venues you should be able to get quite a bit more but uh, let's say you do get uh, two hundred bucks per gig and you toured for toured doing this exact same strategy for half of the year just doing residencies you've now got uh i believe that comes to twenty four thousand dollars of additional income that you've added to that funnel and that's all profit so uh i don't know by adding shows to your sales funnel we're leaving out additional albums merch and all that kind of stuff that uh, other stuff that you can do uh you know you're you're generating some real income by using this geo-targeted advertising strategy so uh, i guess i kind of went into some uh, highfalutin areas there maybe that got confusing i'm not sure you can you can 
uh, smooth it out there for me, Steve, if, if it was at all confusing. But long and short of it, I'd experiment with some geo-targeted advertising, and I'd pick a very uh, simple and close-to-home and inexpensive tour route and focus on doing some residencies. If you can pull people, you're going to make money, uh, regardless of the economy and anything else going on. If you can pull people, you're going to make money because these bars make quite a lot of money off of each head in a room on a given night. So, uh, so build, once again, it boils down to building your list. Uh, but in, in this instance, I would say pick a traffic generating strategy that allowed you to build a uh, big list in specific cities. And the easiest way to do that is by paying for it. Sure. And on a side note, um, when you start to, to target people from different areas, one of the neat things about having a follow-up system in place, especially if you're using a really good autoresponder, uh, is that it keeps track of, of where people came from. You know, so if you ever just wanted to go in there out of curiosity and see which of your lists, uh, has, you know, the biggest number of subscribers from any one of these geo-targeted areas, that's actually going to help you uh, make a little bit of a decision of at least where you should start your tour or which places you should really focus on because you'll see like you know I spent the same amount of money in five different cities but three of the cities the list you know dwarfs the other two well now you know you got three cities that you've got some really negotiating power with a club as far as what you get paid or how they're going to pay you and the neat thing about it too especially with what you're saying as far as looking at some of these you know mid to smaller venues is that you're not relying on ticket sales, but instead you're relying on that relationship you build with your subscribers, and they always bring friends to these kind of things. You know, they don't have to have a ticket to get in. Absolutely, and and you you know you talked about relationship building. The fact that they're on your email list and you're sending out these very personal emails. You know, you're writing to people. You're not just saying, "Hey, buy my CD." You're telling stories about your life. You're you're trying to really connect with them. You'd be surprised. These people feel very very close to you. You're going to get a, a ton of fan mail. You're going to build relationships with these people, and those relationships are going to be so reinforced by a live show. There's nothing like a live show to really lock that relationship in. And these people are going to come back and back and buy from they're going to buy more from you over the long run simply because they you incorporated the live element into your sales funnel yeah also too uh, on that point is that there's this uh, air of anticipation and you know if i think back through all the years that i've been playing music the most fun is when <laughs> you get to meet the people you know what i mean so they, they come out to your show maybe it's the first time that they've ever seen you and you make a new friend well, imagine being the person that's been getting your email all this time and they, they're really kind of getting invested in you and your story and maybe they've even gone as far as to buy your music already. By the time they get to that show, especially in that smaller to, to mid-sized venue, they can't wait to meet you and, uh, you know, now you've truly got a fan for life, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, cool. Yeah, tour, touring is really, I think, I think a lot of people are doing really well with this uh, you know, online or internet music marketing strategies that we've been talking about. And a lot of people are out there doing really well with touring, but I haven't seen too many people marry them really successfully yet. And I think it's, I know, um, Charlie, Charlie Langer, he's one of the members of the Insider Circle. He's been talking about this a lot and I think he's mounting something right now. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm anxious to, I'm anxious to get out there and personally start doing this and I'm, I'm uh, anxious to hear somebody's results. So if you if you do try doing this, if you or maybe you're already doing it, if you're advertising using geo-targeted advertising strategies uh, to support your live shows as well as your frontline uh, album sales, then uh, definitely let us know because I, I think this is a 
a no brainer and some people are going to make a lot of money and, and really build the kind of fame or, or notoriety or successful careers at the very least that every musician is ultimately after. So, um, you know, I think this is good stuff. I'm, I'm excited about it myself. Yeah, I am too. I, I really am too. I think it's, it's one of the most interesting things that, uh, that's almost unique to, to marketing music as opposed to marketing anything else online is the fact that you are trying to do it with the intent of getting to another city at some point to, to play a live show. Sure, sure. Um, well, uh, we are, <laughs> the clock is ticking along and we are barely making a dent on the question. So let's, let's queue up another one. All right. We got another one right here. Hey, what's up, John? Uh, this is Jeff Solomon, LA songwriter. Um, you know, I'm out here in Los Angeles. I'm surrounded by talent. I'm surrounded by great songwriters and producers. And it feels like a lot of times there's a bubble here. Uh, I know there's so many people out there in different cities in our country and in other countries in the world that are that have the same passions, that want to do the things that we're doing. Um, I was wondering if we could touch base for a few minutes on what are some things that, uh, besides obviously YouTube and Facebook and Twitter uh, and this new technology, what are some things that they can do uh, right there in their community to uh, to bring people together to uh, to you know really do music? Um, one thing for me is is that I didn't just focus on songwriting or music. I focused on and still focusing on building a community. Uh, a positive community where artists can thrive, uh, where we can all come together and 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 just uh, really that's it. Just come together would be the main point. Uh, what are the things that people can do right there in their own community uh, to become uh, what they see or what they want as far as success, whether it be monetary or something that is just uh, satisfying to them personally. Uh, thanks for your time. Wow, what a great question. Uh, I was actually going to say, you want to take this one? Because this is something you talk a lot about in your uh, in your book, uh, is, is uh, interpersonal relationships with musicians and, and the community of musicians. You want to take this one? Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. This is something that I really talk about a lot in, in my material uh, on my website, jamroommanifesto.com. And uh, one of the things uh, that I kind of went through personally a couple of years ago um, after, you know, a lot of years of keeping the same band together was that I just found it really tough to make the transition between doing things the way I always knew how to do them and then having to jump online to just kind of come in contact with more like-minded people. Um, you know, because musicians, it's, it's a really big world of people and they all vary. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of personalities out there that you may have to contend with. And as the caller touched on, there's just a lot of, of, uh, a noise. I mean, he kind of hinted to that you have to kind of rise above that there is a bit of a bubble. Uh, especially when you think about how many people are online at one time. And, and if you want to pull it back in and ran it back in locally, it's really the most productive way to go because those are really the musicians that you're end up going to have, uh, the most, uh, amount, or the most amount of opportunity to play with just by proximity alone, you know, just because they're in your neighborhood. And I really think you want to lead with, with who you are and what your ideals are when you're, 
trying to reach out to others that think like you because the the whole thing comes down to resonating. And when when you've got a group of people, and also this is something that ties back into building a relationship with a list, whether or not it's fans, whether it's other musicians or producers or whoever, is uh you know when you're dealing with with, with people like this, um, and, and they are of the like mind, they are they think like you do. Together through the sharing of that same kind of information, you know, maybe even the stuff that you're listening to right now on this podcast, just getting that information into somebody else's hands, it actually uh, establishes a bond there where it puts you in um, in a light within the social circle of having a bit of authority. And if you can build a reputation of having that type of authority with other musicians, you're going to be able to build this nice community of people that not only respond to you, but work well with you and are open to your ideas and just really get along with them and and can do a lot of cool things together, whether it's video productions or even sitting down an afternoon and cutting something in the studio, you know? Uh, Yeah. I mean, this is something I, I, I'm really kind of uh, a junkie about to be honest with you. Right, right. Uh, and at the risk of sounding like a complete and total broken record, you know, it always, for me, any idea, any uh, interest that I have, be it on a local level or on a national level, for me, it always sort of starts with, okay, I got to build a list. Because when you've got that list, you can really start moving people very, very quickly. Um, so that, that would be the only thing that I'd probably add to that is if you've got uh, something specific that you'd like to do in your community, uh, I'd start figuring out who those potential people are that you like to do it with and then focus on putting a uh, email list together using a, a proper and professional email management system so that you can reach out and motivate those people to take uh, action to do exactly you know what it is that you're you're trying to do in your community so so it always uh, yeah i mean uh, sorry yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I, it, what he's asking me or what he's asking in his question there is essentially uh, what I went through and what I did to overcome that very same problem in, in a sense. And my approach to it isn't uniquely mine. It's just my representation of that approach is uniquely mine. And it's kind of something that I like to share with others. But it's really, um, yeah, that's something that I, I talk a lot about. It's funny that that, that question came up. Well, uh, speaking of questions, let's, let's hit another one. All right, let's rock. Hi, John. How are you? Um, just wondering, how would I go about uh, getting radio promotion or airplay for my 15-year-old son's uh, CD that uh, we produced? Um, just wondering how I'd have to go about doing that. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Well, I sort of simultaneously love and hate uh, taking on this question, um, and a lot of people have asked about radio promotion. It's something that I've done, both with the labels and independently in, in my career, uh, and at least independently, it's something that I uh, wasted a lot of money doing. So I, I'm ner- the reason I say I sometimes hate answering it is because I'm nervous to tell somebody uh, not to do it because there are these instances, they're very, very rare, uh, where an independent radio campaign is what breaks an artist. Um, more often than not, an artist spends tens of thousands of dollars and never sees anything in the way of, of return. That's what happened to me years ago before I had discovered this online marketing strategy and, and whatnot. I was doing what everybody else was doing. And I put out a record that, uh, 
this is this is not my Interscope record. This is a, a, a the, my second record, and uh, Warner Brothers sub was putting it out, and I was just kind of concerned that not a lot was going to happen. So I went and hired the largest, um, if memory serves anyway, the largest independent radio company on the West Coast, and leaving names out of this. Don't I, I literally do not know if they're still around, and I spent. I'm it was twenty or thirty thousand dollars, and they did get some spins, you know, but it's just not enough. Usually, it's not enough to make anything happen. There again, these freak stories of some programmer just absolutely falling in love with something, and uh, a, a career is born. But almost always, there's more behind that story that that actually kind of happened in my case initially how i got my first record deal was i had a song uh leaked to k-rock and they started spinning it and it started spreading around the country and it became the center of this big bidding war with all the record labels and that's pretty much the story you would have heard if you read all the newspapers at the time however what was what was also happening is there was a very powerful radio promotion uh uh, executive from Capital who uh, was basically leaving Capital and kind of wanted to go out with a bang. This, this is sort of the simple story that uh, that I, I was told at the very least. And there was a real push by someone with real relationships f- from within that very tight community of, of radio uh promoters and 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 you know major major uh programmers out there. So it while yeah it was still a fluke it it wasn't it wasn't the same thing as these stories you hear or or the dream anyway of somebody going and spending a few thousand dollars getting a few spins in a small market and suddenly it starts to just spread there's usually a little more behind the those stories that they leave out of the articles cuz either they don't know or it's just not as romantic um what i'm trying to get at is I think you, I really do think that a person would be far better off. Uh, I, I think they would, they would, uh, on average see a far better return if they were to go out, put up a squeeze page where they offered a free download in exchange for an email address and spent that money they were going to spend on radio on advertising, on something like pay-per-click advertising. I really think more people would uh, get their money back at the end of the day. You might not have that one in a million home run like you, like you would with radio, uh, but uh, I just, that is really a lot more rare than people think it is. So my advice, if I'm to be totally honest, is to is to, to not take that approach and to focus more on building this online sales funnel that we're talking about and building that email list of followers. I think you'll, you'll have a real, no matter what happens, even if you don't make your money back, if you sort of don't really do it right or, you know, you don't fully understand the process uh, no matter and, and you don't com- completely break even no matter what you'll have a real asset at the end of the day you'll still have 5 10,000 subscribers whatever it is you're able to pull out of uh, your money and that's something that you can use again to uh, promote live shows especially if you do geo targeted advertising you can use it uh to attract labels. I mean, if you're a record label exec, particularly independent uh, labels who are out there who maybe do really have, you know, a system in place, but their budgets are smaller and they can't afford to take uh, very many risks. I mean, you're going to be really attractive if you're out there and you've got 10,000 subscribers and, you know, uh, some, some kind of a reactive fan base. So I, yeah, that's, that's the long and short of it. I, I, I'm sure someone else, uh, out there would tell you how to go and s- 
spend your money at radio, and I'm sure there are plenty of people willing to take your money. There are plenty of independent radio promotion companies out there. Uh, I just, I just it really, I was burnt by it. I've heard just countless horror stories about it, and I think that uh, you're gonna. You're going to do much more for your son's career if you spend that on advertising. But as long as that advertising is going into generating leads, don't just advertise uh, a CD Baby or Indie Bible page or something like that. Nothing wrong with those platforms at all. They can be used as part of your sales funnel. But just sending people to something like that uh, where where the interaction stops right there on the page if they choose not to take action is a mistake. You want to you wanna send people into a funnel, and that starts with collecting a lead, collecting a way to contact them at a later date. Uh, and really that comes down to email. Yeah. I, I think an important thing to, to note here too, is that it's far more easier to send people to, to a place where you're giving something away rather than trying to make a sale. Uh, it's harder to get people to buy right off the bat. And that's why I think if you did take that money and put it into some sort of online advertising campaign where you were driving traffic to a page where people could decide to either, give up uh, some contact information for a couple of free gifts. Uh, you know, some people, yeah, sure. They're not going to, they're not going to do it, but a majority or at least a good number of them are going to take action. And like you said, John, it's an asset to have that list because, you know, even if you don't get that miracle home run of a million sales or whatever it is, or how many subscribers are on there, not everybody's going to buy, but at least you've got that opportunity to follow up with them again at another time. And that that's invaluable. That's something you'll never get from a radio spot. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> looking at the clock here, we are running out of time, so we've got one more question that we're going to take. Now, we we have really just gotten started on the questions. If you took the time to leave us a question, don't worry. We are absolutely going to address your question. It's just going to have to be in a later episode because uh, I, by the by the way things are going, we this would go on for three hours if we tried to take on all these questions. So we're going to take on one more and then uh, we're going to call it a night. But uh, let's, let's cue that up if you would, Steve. All right, here we go. Hi, John. I'm Charlie Wells. Uh, I'm an independent musician. I have an album called It's My Turn. It's on iTunes. I am a struggling independent, as you know, and I'm trying to figure out the best way to market with uh, the limited budget I have. Of course, I don't have the budget that, let's say, uh, the larger uh, record companies have. Uh, how do you get more uh, play on iTunes and things like that? Thanks. Well, uh, as I'm sure people already are hearing, there's going to be some repetitive themes on this show because we talk, again, about a very specific type of marketing. Um, but if I had a very limited budget, it depends how limited we're talking. If you only had, say, a few hundred dollars a month, I would personally spend that money on tools. The app, Without a doubt, the most important tool I have is my uh autoresponder and uh if you you want to learn more about the autoresponder i use you can go to musicmarketingmanifesto.com forward slash autoresponder and uh and you'll learn more there about the the company that i use uh however that that they started about twenty dollars a month and yes there are cheaper services out there and there are services that are geared specifically for musicians i just personally have not found any of them to uh, really offer the tools that uh, one of the top tier autoresponders that cater to marketers have. There are so many different stats, so many uh, segmentation options and 
just so many things you can do with a good email management system, not, not to set aside the fact that deliverability rates are crucial here, and they do vary despite the fact that every sales pitch on every uh, autoresponder website is exactly the same. They all tell you they're whitelisted. They all tell you they have fantastic deliverability rates, and the reality is they don't. I've used four different autoresponders now, and they varied a great deal. Um, but uh, I, I'd go out and, and get a good autoresponder, depending on how you wanted to do things, maybe spend some money on a shopping cart so that you could control the entire funnel. Again, we're, all these things, you could get everything you need for less than $50. If you really wanted to go nuts, you could spend $100. Um, but then I'd go out and... You know, I don't know. I'm just kind of thinking off the top of my head. If I was really limited, if I had anything left, I might try. I might go to somewhere like Fiverr and get people to make weird and interesting videos for me. And then I'd use possibly Fiverr as well to submit those videos to as many video sites as possible. I might manually submit my own to YouTube so that I made sure that that premium uh, platform had all the right keywords in all the right places. But, uh, you know, you could do a lot having people make you $5 videos. I mean, there's everything from guys with puppets to people doing uh, animated uh, shorts and things for $5. I mean, there's so much that you can do. And I, I might try something like YouTube if, if my budget was extremely limited. Um but I wouldn't stop there. I would use my my own muscle to go out and generate traffic with something like blogging or uh, article marketing and, and that sort of thing. Uh, if you had a slightly bigger budget, again, uh, I've, I've said it in earlier uh, questions, but I'd go and I'd invest in some paid advertising. Um, the two platforms I'm playing with these days uh, or currently advertising on are Facebook and um Microsoft's Ad Center, and uh, you can get some pretty cheap clicks depending on what interests or keywords you're, you're targeting. So that, that's basically what I do. And you mentioned iTunes again. Uh, I wouldn't personally. I again, I think iTunes is great. I think iTunes is a great platform. It's a powerful search engine, and you want it to be part of what you're doing. But I wouldn't be driving all of my sales there just because I have so little control over it. I would be trying to uh, make the sales on my own site wherever I could. And and often, to be totally honest, I'm too lazy to do that, and I use personally CD Baby. But there are a lot of platforms that are, are great out there. I just don't send that traffic directly to CD Baby. I get them in my email system first and then I make them an offer uh, over at CD Baby. But uh, but again, I'm lazy and I think the best way to do it is through your own your own sales funnel. Take the orders right there on your own site. Use PayPal if you have to. Yeah, and honestly too, I mean, even if his budget is limited further than that where uh, I think these autoresponders, I mean, I've had mine for about four years now, but I think they offer you like either like a dollar or 30 day trial or even a free trial period or something where you can build a contact list. I think up to like the one I use, I think they let you do it up to like 500 contacts. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously you'd have to, you know, get the paid version to increase that. But even at 500 contacts, you should be able to see a couple of sales come through to where you know that you can confidently afford that autoresponder. Because like you said, John, I mean, just having the ability to, to build a, uh, a list and be able to maintain contact and have messages reliably delivered to them with the opportunity to, to possibly buy more of your music, that's invaluable. Uh, so if, I mean, if you're really, really hurting for money, um, and you don't have a lot to, to put out in the beginning, the autoresponder is absolutely one of the first things you should go for. Yeah, you know, I think that 
dollar trial is a fantastic way to get started. With that said, uh, I went the opposite route because in, in the early days I was using one autoresponder. I, I think I actually used two and kept canceling because I didn't have a big list and I just, I don't know, it bothered me seeing that bill come up. And when I finally um, hooked up with the company I'm now with, I just went and bought the entire year in one go because one, they give you a huge discount if you do that. Uh, and, and two, because then I didn't have to think about it and it gave me kind of a year to really build up that list where I was seeing the, the, the profit, uh, to sort of cover the costs instead of just, you don't want that clock ticking where you only have 30 days to start seeing profit because the reality is sometimes it takes a little longer to get your whole system in place. But, but yeah, absolutely. We're on the same page there. Um, well, cool. I think, uh, I think we're about done for tonight. Uh, we gotta keep things, I think, uh, you know, <laughs> from going too long. Uh, both Steve and I have a tendency to run on and on and on with these things. Um, you got anything special planned for, for Christmas? Oh, we don't. Uh, immediately after the holiday though, we are, we're, we're taking the girls down to Disney World. <laughs> so we're pretty excited about that. Very cool. Post post Christmas Disney World vacation. That sounds cool. Well, cool. We've got we've got family coming over, and uh, we're going to spend a hopefully warm Christmas. It's pouring rain right now. It started raining during this during this uh, podcast, and uh, it's darn wet lately for some reason. But uh, I don't know whether I'd rather have a wet Christmas or a, or a sunny Christmas if I can't have a white one. Yeah, well, you, you be careful what you wish for, man, because you get the white ones and, uh, sometimes you're boxed in for a couple of days, especially here in Philly. So yeah, I'm looking forward to the holiday, man. This has been awesome. Uh, really thanks again for having me on the podcast tonight, man. Absolutely. Thanks for sitting in and, uh, thanks everyone for those questions. Remember, uh, if we didn't answer your question tonight, we will answer it. And remember, if you're new to the podcast and you have a question that you'd like us to answer, call 1-800-296-1406. That's 1-800-296-1406. And if you'd like to learn more music marketing strategies, then go to music marketing manifest com. That's musicmarketingmanifesto.com and sign up for your copy of the Music Marketing Blueprint. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks, Steve. Everyone, uh, you know, have a Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, everybody. Take care, John.